to Move Forth with Grace. I'm so glad you're here to immerse yourself into God's Word and to open your heart to His lessons today so that the wisdom of God can move through you and into the lives of those around you and continue in generations to come. Welcome, welcome. Today's podcast is brought to you by Never Bands. These are medical freedom bracelets I created for adults and children. I teamed with a medical ID jewelry company in Texas so that you can equip yourself and your family against the unethical enforcement of the experimental COVID-19 injection and any future injections that might come our way, no matter what situation you find yourselves in. By wearing these, we can band together to preserve our medical freedom. Get yours today at www.neverbands.shop. It is also brought to you by the Move Forth brand. On my website, you can find tips on freedom, health, and grace, and ways that I might be helpful to you and your family. My website is www.move-forth.com. I'm reading from the Founder's Bible. It is a New American Standard Bible that does include historical documents from the Founder's era. truly is a beautiful Bible for you and your family, and you can find one at www.foundersbible.com. I'm also following the five-day Bible reading plan, and you can download and print a copy if you'd like to follow along at www.5daybiblereading.com. Well, today is day 239, excuse me, and if you are just discovering the podcast, I'm so glad that you did, and please don't let the day 239 discourage you. You can absolutely just start right here, okay? This is not about, you know, waiting until January 1st to start the perfect uh, Bible in a year experience. No, it's just come on in. You can finish out the year, and then you can pick up on all the episodes before now. It's absolutely fine. If, you, if you're the type of person that needs somebody to tell you that that's okay, it's absolutely okay. There's no judgment, okay? I'm just so glad you're here. If you've been here since the beginning, oh, I'm just so grateful to have had you on this journey. What a journey it has been. Well, today we are going to be reading... Esther 1 through 3, Psalm 139, and Revelation 1. So a quick background on Esther. The author is unknown. Um, It could probably be Mordecai or some Jewish historian personally familiar with the Persian court. Its style and similarity in writing have led some to suggest Ezra or Nehemiah, and it was written shortly after 465 B.C., Without doubt, one of the great stories of the Old Testament, Esther provides us with human drama that captivates our imagination and holds us on the edge of our seats, awaiting the outcome of her most unusual ordeal. The surprising plot twists and turns rival any novel that has ever been penned in the history of literature. There is a villain and a champion, there is a heroine, and there is humor. In it all, God is working unseen. It is an interesting side note that the name of God is never mentioned in Esther, yet the evidence of his presence and the imprint of his ways are to be found throughout the book. The setting is the palace of Shushan, or Susa, one of the three capitals of the Persian Persian Empire. The story gives us a vivid picture of the Jews during the Persian exile. What's at stake? Only they the very survival of God's people as the Jews face the brink of total annihilation. Who does God turn to? A young teenage girl conscripted into King Xerxes' harem, not exactly the most likely hero to save an entire nation, forming the historical backdrop for the origins of the festival of Purim. Esther shows us how God takes those 
who are the least likely to be chosen for greatness and exalts them to positions of honor, setting them up as vessels through whom he can work his wonders. The Book of Esther, Chapter 1 The Banquets of the King Now it took place in the days of Ahasuerus, the Ahasuerus, who reigned from India to Ethiopia over 127 provinces. In those days, as King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne, which was at the citadel in Susa, in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his princes and attendants, the army officers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of his provinces, being in his presence. And he displayed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor of his great majesty for many days, 180 days. When these days were completed, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days for all the people who were present at the citadel in Susa, from the greatest to the least, in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were hangings of fine white and violet linen held by cords of fine purple linen or silver rings and marble columns and couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. Drinks were served in golden vessels of various kinds, and the royal wine was plentiful, according to the king's bounty. The drinking was done according to the law. There was no compulsion, for so the king had given orders to each official of his household that he should do according to the desires of each person. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the palace which belonged to King Ahasuerus. Queen Vashti's Refusal On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the princes, for she was beautiful. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. Then the king became very angry, and his wrath burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for it was the custom of the king so to speak before all who knew law and justice, and were close to him. Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Maris, Marsena, and Memukan, the seven princes of Persia and Media, who had access to the king's presence and sat in the first place in the kingdom, according to the law, what is to be done with Queen Vashti, because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus, delivered by the eunuchs. In the presence of the king and the princes, Mamukan said, Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, but also all the princes and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, causing them to look with contempt on their husbands by saying, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought into his presence, but she did not come. This day, the ladies of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's conduct, will speak in the same way to all the king's princes, and there will be plenty of contempt and anger. 
If it pleases the king, let a royal edict be issued by him, and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, so that it cannot be repealed, that Vashti may no longer come into the presence of King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is more worthy than she. When the king's edict, which he will make, is heard throughout all his kingdom, great as it is, then all women will give honor to their husbands, great and small. This word pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Mamukan proposed. So he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province according to its script, and to every people according to their language, that every man should be the master in his own house and the one who speaks in the language of his own people. Vashti's successor sought. Chapter 2. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Then the king's attendants who served him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. Let the king appoint overseers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather every beautiful young virgin to the citadel of Susa, to the harem, into the custody of Hegai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let their cosmetics be given them. Then let the young lady who pleases the king be queen in place of Vashti. And the matter pleased the king, and he did accordingly. Now there was at the citadel in Susa a Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives, who had been exiled with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exiled. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. Now the young lady was beautiful of form and face, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Esther finds favor. So it came about when the command and decree of the king were heard and many young ladies were gathered to the citadel of Susa into the custody of Hegai, that, Hester, that Esther was taken to the king's palace into the custody of Hegai, who was in charge of the women. Now the young lady pleased him and found favor with him, so he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and food, gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace, and transferred her and her maids to the best place in the harem. Esther did not make known her people or her kindred, for Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make them known. Every day Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she fared. Now when the turn of each young lady came to go into King Ahasuerus after the end of her twelve months under the regulations for the women, for the days of their beautification were completed as follows, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and the cosmetics for women. The young lady would go in to the king in this way. Anything that she desired was given her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go in, and in the morning she would return to the second harem to the custody of Shashkaz, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not again go in to the king unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, came to go in to the king, 
She did not request anything except what Hegai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women, advised, and Esther found favor in the eyes of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus to his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month to Beth, in the seventh year of his reign. Esther becomes queen. The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she found favor and kindness with him more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his princes and his servants. He also made a holiday for the provinces and gave gifts according to the king's bounty. When the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not yet made known her kindred or her people, even as Mordecai had commanded her, for Esther did what Mordecai told her, as she had done when under his care. Mordecai saves the king. In those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's officials from those who guarded the door, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. But the plot became known to Mordecai, and he told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. Now when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on a gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles in the king's presence. Haman's Plot Against the Jews Chapter 3 After these events, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and established his authority over all the princes who were with him. All the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage. Then the king's servant who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why are you transgressing the king's command? Now it was when they had spoken daily to him, and he would not listen to them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's reason would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage to him, Haman was filled with rage, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him who the people of Mordecai were, Therefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, which is the month Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, Hur, that is the lot, was cast before Haman from day to day and from month to month, until the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all other people, and they do not observe the king's laws, so it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. If it is pleasing to the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put into the king's treasuries." Then the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. The king said to Haman, The silver is yours, and the people also, to do with them as you please. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the thirteenth day of the first month, and it was written, just as Haman commanded, to the king's satraps, to the governors, who were over each province, and to the princes of each people, 
each province according to its script, each people according to its language, being written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, women and children, in one day, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to seize their possessions as plunder. A copy of the edict, to be issued as law in every province, was published to all the peoples, so that they should be ready for this day. The couriers went out, impelled by the king's command, while the decree was issued at the citadel in Susa, and while the king and Haman sat down to drink, the city of Susa was in confusion. Psalm 139 God's Omnipresence and Omniscience For the Choir Director, A Psalm of David O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. The Revelation to John, Chapter 1 The Revelation of Jesus Christ The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it 
by his angel and his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Message to the Seven Churches John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Patmos Vision I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet, saying, Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one, and I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the king, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And those are our readings today. So we are beginning the Revelation of John, and uh, this is written by John, Jesus' best friend, and it was around A.D. 95, and he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And the purpose, 
Perhaps no other topic captivates the imagination in times and doomsday scenarios. Perhaps no other book has sparked more questions, controversies, and predictions of when it will come than the Revelation. Despite all the misguided interpretations and outlandish claims, the Revelation is a book worthy of your attention. It is a message that needs to be heard and understood. The good news, it holds a promise of blessing for all those who read and hear the prophecy and heed the things written in it, for the time is near. We just read that in Revelation 1-3. So, and now we have the Apostle John here, arguably Jesus' best friend while on the earth, the one closest to him, whose identity was the disciple whom Jesus loved, who has been exiled to the Isle of Patmos, a remote Roman penal colony. In the spirit, on the Lord's day, John is given a panoramic, apocalyptic, prophetic vision of all that is and is to come. He receives the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of who he is in full-blown reality, and falls to the ground as a dead man, totally speechless and completely undone. Yes, the revelation contains insight and understanding into the events to come, but all of them speak to us and carry a message of who Jesus Christ really is. He is the King of Kings, the Lord God Almighty, the only one worthy, the Lamb who was slain. He is our victorious Savior, the ruler over all creation, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is our heavenly bridegroom, the one for whom we as the bride are making ourselves ready. At its core, the revelation is about worship, surrendered, wholehearted, humble, totally focused, Jesus-centered worship. He alone is worthy of our love, devotion, worship. He is worth forsaking all to follow and for laying down our lives. This book is all about unveiling a person, Jesus Christ, from start to finish, the lover of our souls. It's all about him. That is a beautiful um, description to give context this book, uh, it, it, the Revelation, is talked about a lot. And <clears throat> it is worthy of our attention. And it does deserve to be heard and understood, for sure. <clears throat> but I do think that, unfortunately, um, some of the people that talk about it um, it, it is, it's misguided interpretations and it can also bring, um, more fear and, and anxiety to the table. Um, and so I'm hoping that with this, um, description, this context, this introduction to it, that maybe if you, if you have already read it, or if you have not read it, maybe with that context in mind, um, that it won't be so, it won't bring so too much fear within you um, or within me as we do this together. <clears throat> I think it can truly be an incredible, an incredible book to read. And I just want to take a moment with the psalm today, Psalm 139, 
such an incredible and beautiful psalm and one of the most beautiful um, verses is this. For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. That is so beautiful. And this psalm, it's just, I mean, it's saying, God, you know everything. You know when I sleep, when I wake up, you know what I'm thinking, you know what I'm about to say before I even speak. And you knew me when you were knitting me in my mother's womb. It is just, oh, it's just so beautiful. So if that really, if that touched you today, keep a bookmark there. Get a post-it note and, you know, write that Psalm 139 when you need a reminder of who our Almighty Father is, right? I mean, wow. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time together. We just ask that you guide us, continue to guide us as we read your word, especially as we read about who Jesus is. We want to understand. We don't want to be fearful. We want to be clear. We want to be uh, we want to be held up by you. If we start to feel weak or fearful, we want to remember that you are here to hold us up. We want to let go of any um, misguided interpretations that we've had or seen or heard from others. We want to go ahead and be able to let that go so that we can we can understand who Jesus is. And we thank you for that opportunity to do this together. We say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that concludes our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so grateful that you are here. Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is our everything. I look forward to being with you in the next episode. Take care.